Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Lads, we are back and this is going to be a good one. Yeah, Ooh. it will be a good one. Odd today. It feels odd. Why does it feel odd? It's What's like, odd? You like that subtle like sense of peace, but it's not real peace before a huge battle? Uh, I mean, yesterday I, I felt like I was about to go to war waiting to go to the game, like mm-hmm. the moment I woke up. Yeah. I, I do have to say, guys, the, the show's Twitter account did look a little biased last night. I will say that. There, there was a bit of pain for the Leafs side. Who is, who is saying Sandine in for Dermot? Uh, um, that was not I, me. I think it was, I don't, I don't know. I think it just, uh, remember, because the, uh, the podcast, it, the has podcast its own, is not self-aware. It, it has its own self-awareness. It's no, like a Terminator. It, no, it doesn't. Yeah. It's so. good to know. So um, is it- I, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus here, but I'm just going to put it out there that I did not log into the Twitter account last night as I was watching the game with Mike. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to throw... But to be fair, whoever was running the social, was that... so? Andrew Raycroft apparently liked one of our tweets. Was it yes, actually him? Yes, yeah, it was yes, actually yes, him. Yes, That's pretty yes, sick. Yes, it was so cool. I take back all shirt. the mean things about the about Andrew Raycroft. I said I take them back because mm-hmm. um, he liked our tweet. Yes. So what, what was it like? A, it was a picture of his jersey asking for predictions for the game. Yeah. Yes. Oh, well, that was on the Instagram and the Twitter was just kind of. This is like, you know, bringing out this classic for game six. By the way, I looked at that Instagram poll. I think it was about 80% said Leafs. So I want to get the names of those people. Say, by the way, if the Leafs come back and win this, every one of our guests who said the Leafs were going to win is coming on the show again and they're answering for their crimes. If the also, and, and if, yeah, sorry. And then if the Leafs win, I think we do have to get Will on. But then he would, he, Will would be fun about it. I think we can have a good time. I think we can have a yeah, good time. I think we'll have a good time mm-hmm. either way. So we should probably open the show talking about it. Um, since, you know, it's weird. The Habs were down 3-1 since the last time we recorded. Game 5 happened, then Game 6 happened. Um, I think what we really need to mention about Game 5 really is it, it was almost the same way Game 6 went, to be honest. Um, and I guess we can start at the end. It led with, if you re-watch both goals, the Leafs turned it over in the exact same spot. It's just... In game five and six, it went one way. Sorry, in game five, it went one way to Jack Campbell. And in game six, Byron made the pass to Kakinemi in front. Very similar ways the game ended. Again, it was very – and it was like the first shot of like Montreal's overtime in both cases. It was horrible. Um, So how how are you guys feeling here? Because I'm not going to lie. I'm feeling pretty good myself right now that would make a lot of sense and i don't blame you for it but that things like like i don't know about you but i'm feeling what's the quote um i know it's a song (laughs) yeah yeah i i don't know okay it's been a rough 24 hours Mm -hmm. i'm just like i'm tired from 
not not specifically from one side, but just the way it's been like an emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. for these games because the back and forth, the whole you know, like the little sub dramas we have here and there. It's like, no, Marner, what are you doing? We'll the officiating. Um, you know what I keep thinking of? You know what I thought about in the overtime? This is one thing I'm going to talk about since we were on the topic of Will Baldwin. Okay. The whole thing where he said goalies love it when they see more shots than they don't. I, you know, I was really, I was actually really worried at the beginning of the game um, because obviously Montreal came out flying as was expected. Uh, and I was worried that Price wasn't getting a lot of shots because if you get to him, if you start throwing pucks on that early on carry Price, you're not going to beat him. But I was worried there was going to be that one bad turnover for Montreal. It was going to go the other way in Toronto. We're going to bury one. Um, but yeah, like that was the thing with Campbell is is in, at no fault of his own, and technically a good thing for the Leafs is they just controlled so much of overtime. Campbell wasn't facing anything. Like again, it was it was the second shot for Montreal that beat him in overtime, and it was tipped too. Yeah. And it was it was it was a combination of a terrible giveaway and Bogosian who was trying to block the shot. I mean, that that I, one hurt. It Don't hurt. get mad at me, Alex, but technically he did score the overtime winner. He did. You know, you know what? We'll, we'll point it out, that out last night. At the time, I was having none of it. I was, I had a few choice words about plenty of guys on, on the Leafs, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, like it, it is comical. I but guess. can we also say Jeff Petrie scored the tying goal? I guess, yeah, technically. That's Man, it. I'll tell you, I remember for the fourth time, I was at the game. I can't remember. Were you at the game? The I was at the you were at the game? I was at the game. It's like Nick I, in the cottage. I can't <laughs> actually remember the Leafs goals. Like they were completely like just blank. I had these two Leafs fans backed in diagonally from me. Yeah. Weren't having their mask on, by the way. Sherry had to talk to them. They kept moving seats, which was against the rules. And every time the Leafs had the puck in the zone, it was, I think the girls sounded Swedish. It was really weird. Go Leafs. Like, Skate Mart, and of course, naturally, as the game went on, they got very upset, and there were some very choice words not suitable for the children that were also around. But oh man, I'll I'll tell you, it was it was it was rough. It was rough. But being in there, I think we should first talk about the experience um, before we get into the game. Yes, of the Bell Center having fans back in, because if you thought that that didn't give Montreal a boost before the game, I think you were proven wrong very quickly. Because yeah. holy cow! I mean, like even even just watching the difference between the first five games and the rest of the American series, where all of them had fans in it, like mm-hmm. there was a there was a difference in in the way the players played per se. Like it was they they had an extra amount of energy. Be from the fans and look at that Tampa Florida series Ooh. it did it got out of control a little bit whatever that that's fine but mm-hmm. there was an extra there was an extra something there that really pushed them mm-hmm. it's pretty surreal to me to see the fans to uh to actually hear the boos of Alex Galchenyuk and know oh. they're authentic oh oh yeah definitely it was it was Galch. I think it was Nylander and Matthews were the threes that whenever they touched it, like even like obviously later in the game, like people were getting tired and they couldn't chant as much. I was still booing the hell out of the, the three whenever I could. Like I like just despite the, the other least fans in the section, like I just, I could not stop myself. It was, man, I'll tell you, I woke up with a hockey hangover today. 
Like I sat up from my bed and I was like, oh no, I can't do this. I- I'm surprised my voice is still intact because in the HFR, it cracked when I was talking about Corey Perry. So I'm like, Corey Perry, it sounded terrible. <laughs> I'll tell you though, um, like I, it was, it's very difficult to describe the feeling of stepping back into an arena again. Like I just couldn't stop smiling. And when I went up and I sat in my seats, right? Funny enough, it's actually, it was in the section where I normally have my seats. Um, so that was pretty, that was a pretty neat coincidence. Yeah. And I took the picture, right? And I threw it on Instagram. I was like, I can't describe the feeling of this. I started crying when I took the picture. Yeah. It was, like, oh. it, it was, but then you start getting the feeling of like, I compared it in the video to being back in high school after the summer, like nothing has changed. This all feels great. And like the anthem of doing it together with man Debo on the organ, um, Oh, it just, it felt so good. And like when they do the starting lineup, booing the Leafs starting lineup, being able to chant, chant Carey Price's name again. I'll tell you guys, it was, I'm, 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 my eyes are watering up right now talking about it. Yeah. It, it was probably, and I, I, I've been to playoff games before. I've been to home openers, but I, last night may have been the most special game I've ever been to. Just for oh, the thing of, yeah. it's a step back to normal life again. It, yeah. Can't describe it. No, I think that's that's everything. Like, even though it was only twenty five hundred people, that's besides the point. It's like we've we've kind of been stuck in one place for the last fifteen months mm-hmm. or so, and like to go back to like some type of normalcy. It's like we haven't seen each other in fifteen months. Like the last time I saw either of you was March twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, oh God, so right, long, so it's like to go to even like this is beyond going to like a patio. This is like going to a hockey arena. Like this is mm-hmm. a completely different thing. So I, I fully get that. Just one more little selfish thing for me. The last game I went to was February eighth, twenty twenty. Ilya Kovalchuk scored the game-winning goal for the Habs two-one in overtime against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And there we go, a 3-2 overtime win for the Montreal Canadiens. First chance I get to, uh, to go back to the Bell Center. Okay, first off, let's go into the game here. Something I've really enjoyed from this series, and I think because there have been some lopsided score games like early in the series, the goalie duel between Jack Campbell and Carey Price has probably been my favorite part of this series, and we continued to see that last night, that first period especially, Jack Campbell was lights out. The crowd were obviously taunting him because that's Montreal. Um, right. Right. No, you guys know my mom's a diehard Habs fan. Like she, yeah. she hates the other team. She felt bad for Jack Campbell, oh. which is like the sun rising at the other end. It just, it doesn't make any sense. I felt bad for a man. Yeah, I just I mean, like to say yeah. before. Sorry, Alex. Um, no, no, go ahead. I'd like to say shout out to Adam's mom because. We know how diehard of a fan she is yes. after the Thomas Placanich situation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Did you say something wrong or something? You got when one I mistakenly <laughs> said Leafs legend Thomas Placanich. Yeah, you yes. said it again. You said it again. No, I said I mistakenly. Am I going to bleep, am I gonna have to bleep that oh, out? No. I, I admit my fault <laughs> during that situation. Mm-hmm. The I'll call it the Thomas Placanich incident. Yes. <laughs> Volcanics gate. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be our. That'll be another shirt. Um, <laughs> we're just coming up with great shirt ideas here. Yeah, I. I mean, yeah, I guess I do kind of feel bad for Jack Campbell, but it's like it's a playoff game, man. Like, 
I I expected that when you have fans in the building, I fully expected it to be exactly as you described it. Mm-hmm. I used to boo Jack Campbell. Why? When I uh, I went to the World Juniors, um, and he's playing for the United States, and then he okay, he he doesn't do this anymore. I, I think I've mentioned this already. He doesn't do this anymore, but because he beat Canada in 2010. Mm-hmm. And then in 2011, they interview TSN interviewed him before the next game, and then he said, "I don't know. They didn't learn their lesson from last year." <laughs> and I'm like, "All right, I don't like this guy." That doesn't sound like Jack Campbell. <laughs> I know, right? Hold on. Okay, so what did you think of Trevor Zegras then when he basically said Canada, Canada weren't tested at all? Um, I called that the um, Chris Pronger test because um, another example. I know I'm going a bit off topic right now, and. Uh, 2006, the Edmonton Oilers beat the last Mighty Ducks team in the conference finals. I'm like, I will never like anybody on this team, on this Oilers team. Like Troy Terry? And then um, he gets traded to the Ducks in 2000 in the, in the offseason. This is the year before the Ducks won the cup. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, awesome. They got Chris Pronger. I'm, I'm hyped. So it flips like that sometimes. <laughs> I want to read you guys, last note on the quick goalie duel here. I want to read you a tweet from Greg Rashinsky. I remember a couple years ago, there was a video I saw come up in my YouTube feed about who are the most overrated players in the NHL. The cover of the video had Carey Price and Eric Carlson in it. So I click on it. It's Greg Rashinsky. And, you know, he goes on to say it. He says Price and Carlson are overrated. Um, by the way, Eric Carlson's not overrated. It's he can't skate anymore because Matt Cook destroyed his leg. And he single-leggedly carried the sense to a conference final appearance. Um, this is a tweet he had last night. There's that C1 before this about UC Soros, and, but I'm not going to mention it. So, Greg Rashinsky on Twitter. Carey Price played really well in overtime on a series of unscreened shots, which don't produce the kind of deflections that the Habs got on the game winner. The kind that eventually beat a goalie like Carey Price. Listen, I don't know if it's the tone of that, but it really feels like he belittled that overtime when, and uh, you know, we had a bit of a conversation over text last night. One of the first things you said to me, Alex, and that was it was Carey Price, holy cow. Yeah. I just like it feels like the guy has a vendetta. It's not only him. Like, remember earlier in the season when Jeff Merrick was like, yeah, Carey Price, he's the reason Julian got fired. And don't forget, these guys used to – Merrick and Rashinsky had a really famous podcast back in yeah. the day. So yeah. I think these two have a vendetta against Carey Price. I just but don't we, get we, it. I, no, I, I, I don't get this tweet because it's it sounds sarcastic, but um, – like I, I, I don't get the tone here. I don't know what he's trying to convey. But with the Merrick thing, I think it goes back to that uh, Alan Vigneault quote where it's like, what, what do you say, goalies? If your goalie is better than mine, yeah. then you win. If my goalie is better than yours, ignoring the fact that the Habs had had the same pitfalls yeah. for three years. Right. And maybe right. that had more to do with Claude <laughs> Julien getting fired. Probably. But that's just me. It's not yeah. like I've been watching no. this team nonstop for how long. No, what I do I know, though? No, no. I don't know. No, no. It's fair. Like, I, I don't know. He's not – like, here's the thing, the way I put it. Because when I was watching the, the game last night, like, I don't think – I think a lot of the shots that the Leafs took were just horribly misplaced, like, you know, there's a formula to beating Carrier Price in a way that it you're you're gonna score greasy goals. That's the yes. only way it's gonna get done most of the time. Mm-hmm. 
so I guess he's a right, but like he didn't, he played and he has played for the entire series. Some of the best hockey I've ever seen. There's a thing with Carey Price is that the biggest thing with him is he's a black hole. He's described himself as what makes Price a special goalie is his positioning. So if you see pucks hit him in the chest or go right into his glove, that's his game. That's what he's perfected. Like, that's what won him a Vesna trophy. Right. Anyway, I mean, honestly, I think his 41 saves, I think, speaks for itself. Okay, going more to the game is I have this other tweet up here. Um, and I think it's probably the biggest concern I think Leafs fans are going to have after last night's game. This is from Sergey. This is Bears in underscore goal on Twitter. Yeah. Not sure if this has been mentioned, but my brother-in-law sent me this interesting breakdown of Mitch Marner's penalties in the playoffs. I checked and it's correct. Mitch Marner has six minor penalties in the playoffs. Five of them were for delay of game. Now, this is a big issue because last night, once the Habs were on the power play after the delay of game for the Keefe challenge, which we'll get to in a little bit here, oh, um, Mitch Marner has the puck. He has the room to clear he has room to actually to keep, like, keep skating. And I don't know, like we all know how good Mitch Marner is in the penalty kill. He's phenomenal. And he just, no pressure on him at all, just yeets it over the glass. Like clear as day delay a game. I don't know if it's a mental thing with Mitch, but it's just the playoffs for him. It's just, there's something off there. And it's a, it's a big problem for the, for the Leafs right now. It's extremely concerning for me uh like in so many ways it's kind of scary like how so he's that first line hyman matthews marner Mm -hmm. has been very odd because it hasn't on the points it has not or like goals and assists has not looked great but i think matthews and hyman have looked with the exception of last night for matthews that line those two guys have looked really good. Marner has not in not invisible, but he has not looked good most of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And it's extremely concerning, especially his quotes. Yeah, it, it felt rinse and repeat. You know what I mean? It yes, was, oh, I know exactly. Yeah, it's like <laughs> we need to get better. I think about I think it was the first loss against the Sens the Leafs had earlier in the year, and Marner had that kind of quote. I, Alex, I remember you saying like I've heard this before. It's the typical what what I really what kind of stung me about those quotes is is Mitch said something along the lines of we didn't come prepared. When I think it was Bogosian said, and I thought Bogosian was good by the way. It's just that third pairing. It's just the other guy has just not been amazing, right? And that, like Sandine and 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 Dermot. And Bergosian said, we're going to come into this game like it's our game seven. Mm. He, like, and, and for Mitch to kind of say, ah, we didn't come prepared. I mean, what did you expect coming into Montreal when, like, forget just the fans. Like, the house players have their families there for the first time. And they're fighting for their lives. What were you not prepared for? I don't know. I think, like, for me, what I, and I'm not saying this is this is accurate, but I kind of feel that, he does feel that added pressure now. And I, you know, again, I'm not saying that like it is inexcusable, but it's just the fact that when I've mentioned before, John Tavares is not there where mm-hmm. suddenly that second line is a bit thinner. It's still good, but it's not John Tavares good. 
But the second and, line has been the best line for the entire series. But yeah, that's what I kind of feel. Where like I think that for him, it's that mental thing where it's like, okay, now, like the Leafs still have that balance, but it is a bit more top heavy now if you put Marner and Matthews there. And I know that on the practice today, like Nylander is back with Matthews, and Good. yeah, yeah, I think they they probably should have done this a while ago, but. Again, I, I don't know. Like, I think it is a mental thing for him. Um, if I'm going to talk from experience on watching this and the whole mental game thing, I'm thinking of Marc-Andre Fleury mm-hmm. about, you know, post-2011, what happened to him in the playoffs. And it, 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 it more or less, like, it looks kind of the same. So what you're saying is they have to trade him to Seattle, Marner to Seattle now. Is that what you're trying to say? No, I mean, he, he was good. Like, I, I keep in mind, he got them to the playoffs in 2016. The thing is, they overplayed him, and then Matt, Matt Murray came in when Flurry got injured. Yeah, Flurry got them, like, halfway there, had a bad game, and they're like, all right, there you go, Matt Murray. Your time is up. I'm oh, sorry, your time is, is now, good yeah. sir. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, no, go ahead. Just The frustrating thing is they bring in all these guys to – deal with this pressure and start and quote unquote start on time and it's like everyone has seen to seem to got the message except mitch marner i didn't hear matthew say anything like that last night yeah it was and and i hate mentioning you know you guys know i hate mentioning contracts and players but it was said the moment he signed that contract that the 90-point player, the, the guy who's top five in scoring in the regular season, that's required. That's the auto standard. Um, and we talked about, especially the last few weeks, the regular season does not mean a damn thing. All of that goodwill is forgotten. And we can look in Canada, just we can look out in Alberta to see exactly how that looks right now with McDavid. Yep. And this is where Mitch has to step up. And Especially, it's it's so weird because another, obviously, he's a big part of the power play, and that's been another massive struggle still. And it feels like when Montreal attack, they can somehow keep the Leafs at bay, right? But then the moment Montreal, and then when they're in that sort of battle, whenever the Leafs can get into the zone, they hold the puck for too long. It feels like they're almost afraid to take shots, but then they wait until Montreal take away the pressure and start defending in like the back half of the game too early sometimes, sometimes to Montreal's detriment we've seen. It just feels like, guys, like you're the Leafs. And I saw somebody breaking down a play where they're off the rush and Zach Hyman sort of slows down and takes himself as a way as a scoring option and the defenseman can take away Marner from the play. It just feels like, like sometimes... Oh, it's going on. Just one more thing too. It's like... Obviously, I could tell last night when Matthews had the puck because there's a booing sound. But sometimes it feels like he's having it a little less often, like on the power play too. But sometimes I don't know if I'm misseeing things because obviously I'm, I pay more attention to Montreal's players during games yeah. than the Leafs. Um, when the Leafs have the puck, I'm praying, get it away from them and go back the other way, please. Right. But I, it feels like the Leafs are playing with a little less possession in their game, which is probably the opposite is what they need. That's their game. That's their bread and butter. It feels like, in terms of the first line at least, and we can end the power play. The, the thing with the power play is the power play has been an issue for the last three to four years. And mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know what cracks the code here because they go on these they go on these runs where the power play looks so good where it's like, okay, guys, don't change a thing. 
keep it like this. Mm-hmm. And then it just dissolves away. But I, I, I do think that Montreal and that first line, I'm, I'm assuming, um, I don't remember who was the left winger last night, but the Deneau and Gallagher line, I think last night was Evans and whoever's there. I Tatar, I guess is usually on that line as well. Yes. Has done a really good job at stopping Matthews. And Mm -hmm. that's quite evident in the fact that that line has one goal. That, that is true. Yeah. Sorry. They're just not, no, just, I feel like the Leafs and I think that it got crisp in overtime, you know, save for the, like the gig, the goal, but, it just nothing was being crisp. Like the passes weren't there. And I think with the power play or even what you said with the first line and in terms of those offensive schemes, they're just not adapting. They're again, throwing what has been successful before, but they're not finding ways around it. And I think that's just been the most frustrating thing as a fan to see right now. And they did manage to get those goals, but like the way they, I saw these goals where they were not looking for the perfect shot. They were just getting the puck on net. Mm-hmm. Which is the thing you don't want to do against Carey Price. Yeah. It, it's really funny you mentioned the passing, by the way, Daniel. Because um, that same Lisa that I was telling you about, who was going on about Simmons, my friend Cameron, he called me today. He's like, Adam, I can't tell you how many times I was, I was, I was trying to keep tr- track of how many passes the Leafs made and failed. And I was like, damn, that's not it great. It was a lot. The, the fr- <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. Um, no, I was gonna. I was gonna move on to Keith's challenge. So, if anything yeah. else you want to say, go ahead. It's it's just everything is very frustrating with the entire situation. And I I want to be clear. I'm not bashing Marner, the person, because no. I think a lot of that has gone on. Last night I was really upset, and I and I said some very poor words to Mike, but I, I would never tweet it. Um, it's the, it's, he, it's the mental game there. It's like he's Daniel's right in saying, I think he's overthinking a lot of what's going on. And it's like, Mitch, take a step back. It's like one of the guys, Jumbo, Bogosian, I don't care. Felino, I don't care who it is. Needs to sit down with Mitch one-on-one or Keith, whoever, and have a conversation. And say, listen, I know what's going on. Let's move past this. Let's figure this out. Mitch Marner's a game breaker, but you know, at some point, you don't you, you don't need to try and do too much. Just keep it simple. You need the Brent Seabrook, Jonathan uh, Taves conversation. I was thinking of that, Daniel, and I forgot. God dang it, you do, uh, you do. Nick Felina goes and says, "Listen, buddy, just drink some Mountain Dew, get rid of the mullet. It's bad, and then we we move on." Call Matt um, Martin. Yeah. All right. So I feel like this series has easily had the worst pair of coaches challenge I have ever seen. Ducharme's was worse, like not even a question, but like, I know it was Corey Perry and I was hesitant to celebrate the goal myself. Um, But man, he was nowhere near Campbell and even like Tyler Toffoli barely impeded on him. I thought, oh, like that was, that was a real brutal one. I'm pretty sure his explanation after the game was, no, there's a lot going on there. Which is, yeah, there's a lot going on with that answer is what I, it is. I think last night in general was just a really poor night for Keefe. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, yeah, that coach's challenge did not help. Um, my God, I don't know what he saw. Like m- when I saw him try to challenge it, I'm thinking, what are you watching? Like what angle do you possibly have that is so different that, 
we don't see. Mm-hmm. I think overemphasize the crowd because the way like the crowd at the crease, but the thing I the way I see it is that Campbell already committed to the initial shot mm-hmm. and he's already down. Like there was no way anyone was trying to prevent him from getting back into position. It's just I think like Keith overemphasized the fact that you know there was that Tyler to fully like I guess like crowd he created with there and then just the fact that Corey Perry was able to just like slide it in. Yeah, that was such a Corey Perry goal, by the way. And you know, it feels like, by the way, um, with the exception of of the two game winners for Montreal in these over- overtime games, it feels like a lot of Montreal's goals have been such those greasies that it's at a time when and I'm not blaming Campbell for this. I'm just kind of breaking out the play. Like yeah. Campbell will make the move to go down. And then it's just Montreal win the net front battle and get the greasiest, scummiest goals you've ever seen. And it's like, oh, so that's what you've been trying to do. And it's finally working because you're actually going to the areas. Cool. It's funny because literally after we recorded last episode, on last episode, you said they're not getting below the hash marks. Mm -hmm. And literally uh, like the next two games, they did. Mm -hmm. And it worked. Call me crazy. <laughs> I know something about this game. Adam on the bench. A lot. Yeah, you hire me. I couldn't yes. do. Do you guys see, by the way, these commercials with Mario Tremblay and Patrick Waugh? Yeah, yes, they're odd. Uh, it's like, it's weird to see them okay again. And I, I wonder if a part of this is Patrick. It's the media tour. Yeah. And he's trying. You know, here's the thing. I joked about it in the video. Everyone go check that out, by the way. It's cool if the Habs can win this series, but it's kind of bad because then it means Burge and Dom are probably back. Don't, but at the same time, it's like I can deal with that if we can beat the Leafs. You know what I mean? Like I can. That's a W. I can put up with that because like we can deal with that. Did you say W? W. A big dub, as they would, as some would, some would call it a big dub. All right. Anything else you guys want to handle Leafs Toronto? Um, yeah, just the thing about, I mean, we had the, the series isn't over yet and no. we're already talking about firing Dubis, which I think is beyond me. Um, Man, he did Keith, is gone. Keith is gone before Dubis, by the way, if there is a firing to be made, I also don't think Keith should be fired either. Like I, I, I don't get, I don't understand that sentiment. Like, okay. First off with Dubis. He fine. You want if if your argument is he signed those contracts, then my God, let's go through the laundry list of GMs who are still un- under contract who have signed horrible deals. That is that is not a great argument to start with. Um, he put te- like he put this team together, and it worked throughout the entire regular season. And I get the regular season at this point means nothing. Mm-hmm. But- if you looked at the quotes and you looked at the energy from this team, it is different from years in the past. At this point, this should sole, not solely, but the majority of the blame should be put on the players, which I have been trying to do for the last two years. After mm-hmm. Mike Babcock is fired, this is on the players. Yeah. Right? Like there's no fail safe anymore. It's no. it is, it is on this team because what I, I agree, Cal Dubas has done everything he needed to do. And, you know, finding good deals on them as well to kind of really address everything that this team has lacked. Everything that even like, you know, the uh, armchair GMs have said, oh, they lack toughness. All right. Look how many tough guys. The 
John Tavares is not a true leader. Okay, he, I yes, I I don't agree with that, but he is a great captain. But you know, even more leadership into the lineup. They have guys that, like I think I'm like Spets and Thornton. These guys that were intentional of wanting to sign the minimum to play for Toronto. That mm-hmm. he he did what he could. T.J. Brody again. Like we talk about Tyson Berry, but T.J. Brody like he knew where he went wrong. Dubis with with the trade initially and he fixed it and I don't think I don't think so he he's on the hot seat for this because again it's what we see on the ice right now because they've given they've been given all the tools here's here's the totem pole of of repercussions if the Leafs were were to lose which like like first off Ed, the rest of the series does not matter going to game 7 like it, it's game 7 nothing matters anymore if you have a list of who is to blame, it's first is Mitch. Yep. Which would then become trade Nylander because he's the only one you can't trade. I saw a really funny tweet about that saying Mitch Marner's poor play is going to get Nylander. Yeah. And I'm like, God, that's so true. Um, and then it's like, if there was another thing, like if Keith has an egg, like lays an egg of a coaching game seven, maybe. And then at the bottom is Kyle. And like the gap between Mitch and Sheldon is enormous, but like that is that's the totem pole. Yeah, I here's when I this is how I look at the series for the Leafs. When your top forwards are in this order, I, I'd say um, William Nylander, Jason Spezza, and Alex Kerfoot. Mm-hmm. That is extremely worrying to me. That Matthews and or Marner are not a part of this list. So I'll tell you though, I'm not surprised by Spezza because that man yeah, just, just lights up the Habs. Always has. But and it's astounding. Not the even Ottawa that. Senator he, Swagger. He looked yes. he he looked like one of the best Leafs against Columbus. Mm-hmm. Like it's this is a pattern he here for Jason Spezza. He fought. Exactly. It's like why is it 37, no offense, but 37-year-old Jason Spezza seems to be one of the only guys consistently showing up for this team? Well, lads, um, I say we move on now because yeah. we have we spent a lot of time there and we yeah, yeah, still have a game seven to look forward to on Monday. I'm so nervous. I don't know. I feel a bit sick. Yeah, I, I know how you feel, man. Um all right, so we'll quickly now wrap up the first round. After that, we're going to talk about Ron McClain, uh, some headline news regarding Seth Jones, uh, then we're going to look at the second round, but we can only do three series because we're waiting for the Habs and Leafs to finish up. So first off, Vegas beat Minnesota in seven. Matthias Yanmark gets the hat trick. The guy I was like, is he your big ad at the deadline? Well, he won you game seven. But – one, we'll talk more about Vegas when we get to. I say we talk about the winners of these series once we get to the second round. So, a hell of an effort from Minnesota, and at the same time, just an overall fantastic season for them. Daniel, we'll start with you because you are the Minnesota man. Yeah, um, a big thing is, and we've we've joked about this before because it is really a well well known narrative. And the funny thing about me is when starting at the hockey writers meeting a bunch of fantastic writers as well that are based in Minnesota. They know it as well too, where it's like, Oh yeah, this overpriced veteran core gets submitted in the first round. And everyone knows that. But the thing is this year is different. It's so much more different because it's a success. They showed what the future is going to look like. They showed that 
despite you know those pricey contracts that things can still work out that they have an identity emerging on that team and you know I, I don't like to pick on these things but it, it was this was not how it was supposed to be and I don't know if this I don't have an NHL comparison but I have like the Oklahoma City Thunder in the NBA from last year where everyone said oh they traded Russell Westbrook these, this is going to tank and they still made the playoffs I think it's just one of those things where they just have that bright future there where it's for the first time ever, to be honest, in Minnesota, that they actually have these guys that they have these these people developing in the system that are actually going to be homegrown stars. Mm-hmm. They haven't had that since Marion Gabrick. Every time you mention Marion Gabrick, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. Alex, the question that we're going to ask about all these first round I want to call them losers. That's mean. Only St. Louis are losers. These teams that How can are. You say are... about Jordan Bimington like that. My my guy Jordan Bimington. <laughs> we'll get Bin- to Jordan. Binner was good. Binner was good. All right. Yeah. Binner was good. He was. But um, what's next for Minnesota? Beside um, Kaprizov's contract. Okay. Besides that, I think you want to figure out who's moving, who's going to be with this team moving forward, and I think they're just they're set up in a in a good. In, and I'd say a good way for the future with, with a mix of young guys and older presence. Like I'm looking at their cap friendly now, Marcus Johansson, Nick, but you know, both guys up. Are you going to keep those guys moving forward or are you going to bring in more young guys? Cause that is a possibility. Daniel, did we see Matthew Boldy or did we not? I we did remember. not. They opted to go with Zach Parise. And I actually have a funny quote before we move on about it because when he talked to Michael Russo. Okay. Because Parise was scratched for 12 games until he came into game, game five. Right. And yeah, he did pretty well. He actually had three points. And the funny thing is they're like, what's your future here with Minnesota? And he grinned. Because he's like, well, I have three more years on my contract, and I'm only leaving here if I get traded or bought out. Wait, 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 wait. Parisi said he had three years left. Yeah. Is it? It's more than three, isn't I it? I think it's more than three. He it's said like four. It's three or four, something like that. Yeah, the article four, said three. Four, I think it's four. Oh, I guess. I guess because it rolls over in July. Yeah. I. I, for a bit of fun, this isn't the only buyout I have here, but in front of me, I've actually gotten out the calculator for a Zach Parise buyout um, because it, it sounds like the way Freeman's talked about it, it is done. And forgetting about the actual money, <laughs> the cap hit next year would be $2.3 million, which is not bad. Then it goes back up to 6.3. Two more years around 7.3. And the last four years are under a million dollars. So it's almost a non-option because the flat cap is going to be here for a while. I know people are saying with the new TV deals, but listening to Elliot Freeman on the newest 31 Thoughts, he was talking about because of the, the what people are sort of forgetting here, the money that the players owe in escrow. Yeah. Is what's going to hold everything back. They have to. They have to like trade him. Or, or so. What did he say? He has. He's leaving if he gets bought out or traded. So he's not thinking of retiring, going to you know cap space LTIR <laughs> Island. No, last year he mentioned he still wants to go for it. Like he still like he. This made me sad in a way. Mm-hmm. As an older fan, that 
he's like, yeah, you know, I got to the finals when I was younger and I was like captaining the Devils, but I never realized like, wow, that's my only shot. Oh. And, and they were so close to a deal with the Islanders last year. I yeah, mean, if you guys, remember, nobody like, want nobody wants Andrew Latt's contract. <laughs> it was like, man, if it didn't get out to the media, we were so close, mm-hmm. so close to the wild. Ah, it's okay. Pulling off a blockbuster. All right, moving on. Carolina are playing Tampa Bay right now, but they knocked off Nashville in six. And what do you know? The Preds got more than they really could have expected, and that was three games of playoff revenue. Yeah, and great UC Soros. Oh, man. So remember how I said there was another Rashinsky tweet that I was really mad about? Mm-hmm. He said, if you look at UC Soros, this is what everyone thinks Carey Price is doing. And I got so upset. What? But so- Soros single-handedly, I wonder how much gate, because Nashville's been pretty full and what a loud crowd. Maybe don't invite the founder of Barstool on Twitter if you want to have any sort of PR, you fool. That's not the first time that Nashville has tweeted something very dumb, by the way. Um but how much money for that additional home game do you think UC Soros made them? Because whenever his contract is up, I don't know when it is off the top of my head, but um, I, I'm going to, if I'm him, I'm saying, well, then. This year. This year? <laughs> Arbit- he's arbitration eligible. Na- Nashville's good. He's, I don't know. I just have this funny thing. The way they pay people there. It's like, what? he's going to ask for $6.5 and Nashville's like, no, we'll give you eight. Renee's up though, right? So there's going to be that money though. So yeah. it won't be a total mess up, but that's, man, that's not bad. Well, you know, I don't know if they can, because I don't think you could really use the comparison to Delkovich in that because he's been in the league a little longer. So I'm not sure what his player comparables are, but not bad. And again, we'll talk about Carolina a little later because they're finally in an interesting series that is. Like I put in the doc, you'll see. I was more interested in Carolina ripping Nashville on on Twitter than I was about the actual series. It wasn't about Carolina because they're a fun team. It's just it's Nashville. They're not. It should be Dallas, not them. Yeah, this is yeah. It's rough. It's gonna be like you asked me that question before about Minnesota. I think there's a lot more questions in Nashville just because they were going to sell for quite a long period of time. And then UC Soros woke up. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Like, of- yeah. Sorry. Go on. No, no, no. I just yeah. like, there's a lot of questions to be answered for me. If I'm Nashville, I'm just wondering when I think about what you said, Alex, when they said that, you know, we're going to sell it all except for these three players. Right. I guess I want to know now, what is the narrative today because is this the core ceiling is a first round exit this core ceiling and we're still going to run with it like next year paying all of these guys you know paying calteris um by the way in case you guys were wondering i do have the ryan johansson buyout up and it's not as bad well the cat oh my lord the buyout is eight years of a length, but the cap hit goes down to $2.6 million of his current $8 million cap hit. So it is an option. Maybe. It is. It is an option. That would be not great. No, if they were not. To, like, up, man. Oh. You upset Jones for this guy? 
Uh, we'll get to Seth Jones a little later <laughs> because people are starting to say Seth Jones is bad, and I'm just starting no. to not. What? I'm no. I'm trusting analytics less and less because I keep being told one year that someone is amazing and a Norris Trophy candidate, and then I see other graphs of sure like comparing him to Wierenski, and it's like oh Wierenski's wicked now, and then Jones is like declining, and it's like ah no one should get the. I just don't get it. I don't You're old understand at 26. it. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's his place. Uh, we'll we'll get no. We'll just we'll we'll say it now. Whatever we're here. Maybe. Uh, per, oh no, good. I was uh, just saying. Elliot, oh, no, I, this is, it's <laughs> Zoom. It's Zoom. This is Zoom. This is the. Uh, I, this is horrible. Um, no, maybe it's you know Columbus just had a horrible year. Uh, I mean, yeah. Um, per Elliot Friedman. Defenseman Seth Jones has informed the Columbus Blue Jackets that he intends to test free agency next summer. This, regardless of how good Seth Jones is, because I believe he's still good, is another star player looking like they're walking out the door in Columbus. Yeah. You can't defend it anymore. You can't do it. This was the guy that they – I believe Wierenski is up the year after, I want to say. Yes. So we'll see what happens with him, but I, I, this should also be an indicator you would think is they should go the full rebuild direction now because I, that's it. That's it. So Domi's up next year too, I think. Yeah. So I have a fun fact. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Alex, you want to go first? No, no, go. You go with your fun fact first. My fun fact is I predicted this for Seth Jones leaving Columbus. My first time ever on this podcast when I went to Alex's house. <laughs> I called it with Seth Jones and then everyone's like, really? They have two, like, like, not you guys, but I'm like, I remember everyone was saying, it was like, oh no, I don't know. Columbus has something going. Like, you know, they, they lost to Grabowski, but they have those two goalies there that they have something. Pierre-Luc Dubois is developing. I think they could try to keep Seth Jones, but I remember calling it on that episode where I'm like, he's gone. There you go. Alex, go ahead. Yeah, so this is from Aaron Port's line. Uh, Sources have told The Athletic that the Blue Blue Jackets, barring a change of heart by Seth Jones, are likely to trade him this summer, most likely near the NHL draft in late July. By the way, you told me yesterday the draft lottery is on Wednesday? That is correct. That came out of nowhere. I, yep, yeah, it just kind of happened. That's great advertising. Yeah. Um, by the way, so Seth Jones for Evgeny Kuznetsov. Ooh. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. And then they flip Orlov for a centerman who know Monahan. That's how it works. I have an idea of a team that might be interested in him. Who? Okay, so they were looking for a defenseman. <laughs> defenseman in the off season or in sorry during the regular season the philadelphia flyers oh they're oh. supposed to be they're supposed to be active this off season too i would be surprised. jones is right-handed right yeah. yeah right they were looking for a right-handed defenseman alex what's the package um i don't i haven't thought about it uh i will get back to you on that one all right <laughs> okay um there we go, Nashville. There we go. There we go, Columbus. You're going to be bad. The Islanders eliminate the Penguins in six. I mean, they eliminate Tristan Jari. I mean, that glove is terrible. Uh, Mike Sullivan will be back as coach next year, reported on headlines as well. 
probably because he has three years left on his deal and he's a pretty good coach. Again, they what the difference in this series was Barry Trotz said, yeah, Sorokin's the better goalie than, um, than Varlamov, so go ahead and have it. And the Penguins only had Jari, and he was bad. They made I, a bet and it didn't work. Yeah, no, it was the, that was it. the The Penguins just did not have any goal to that. And Crosby, did he have a goal? Oh, That's a lovely question. I, I don't mean to that. blame this on Sid because it was the goaltending in the end, but it is disappointing that I like the Pens have won. They haven't won a series since like what twenty eighteen now. Twenty yeah twenty eighteen because that was when they went to the second round. Oh. Uh, he had one goal and two points in six games. Oh yeah, he scored the first goal of the of the series. Remember when no. did the, the the crazy one handed tip? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. In game one, yeah. Yeah, we were recording. I think. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like for me, the way I see the Islanders, and I've said it before, it's just they suffocate you. Like they they get to the Penguins. Like the way the Penguins play, it's just they're like a face hugger. Mm-hmm. What like the the ones from uh, what do you call it? Uh, Alien. Yeah, that it just, it just it just gets to you and like you can't like it, it won't like go. It just the way their defensive schemes have been. It just again like we talk about the Leafs and sometimes their offense not really adjusting to the moments. But I think the Penguins this series was just a whole different level. It doesn't help that a lot's been made about Brian Dumoulin as well and how important he is. Alex, I've asked you this question a few times. I'm going to ask it again. Yeah. What does Ron Hextall do with this team? I'm not. I'm not saying Brian Burke because he's not the GM. People, he doesn't sure. yeah, like yeah. have respect. Some people, Jesus Christ. I, I think no respect. Well, they 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 got to decide what route they're going to take, and we talked about it last episode about is this the end of an era for? We talked about it with Crosby, and we talked about about it with Ovechkin, and if I'm Ron Hextall. And I think this goes with the same with Washington as well. Any year you have either of these guys, you are trying to go for it. And you know what? It's probably going to bite them in the ass eventually. But having a guy like Ron Hextall who can who in look at what he did with Philadelphia in terms of drafting and developing, he did a, a great job at that. And hopefully he can replicate that here. I think the main thing that they do address in the offseason is goaltending. Like, you need to get someone with Tristan Jari. It's not that Tristan Jari is a bad goalie, but I think he cracked under the pressure. And you think they call Mark, do you think, yeah, you think they call the Vegas Golden Knights and see if Flurry is available? Probably not. My guess is extremely not, but they need to get someone alongside Tristan Jari. Is Leonard? I thought I saw just a thing here. Is Leonard starting tonight for um, Vegas, Colorado? I did see something about that. Imagine Leonard does come in, and he he, let's go. say he wins the series and he takes the net somehow. I'm not saying Flurry was bad; he was incredible in the series against Minnesota. And then you have Mark Andre Flurry, who's a little older. Let's be honest in his career. And it's like, oh, hey, Pittsburgh. So you need a goalie, eh? You need a goalie? Well, we have an extra goalie, but mm, I think it's going to cost you. Uh, so I see, I see Samuel Poulin there. 
Uh, J- just just to confirm, Jesse Granger reported this morning, obviously covers the night Golden Knights for the Athletic. Uh, Robin Leonard was the first goalie off the ice at morning skate and is expected to start game one against Colorado. Robin Leonard, then <laughs> he then replied to that tweet with, you know, the gif of Tony Stark and behind Tony Stark, everything's just exploding. Yeah, that is what he replied with. <laughs> oh man i have a question for adam yeah will samuel poulin become the next jack studnika in trade situations of course <laughs> not even a question um okay so where are we now adam keep your notes open right um i guess we can by the way just mention this series now uh the islanders did lose game one against the bruins I don't know if we can really talk about it because none of us watched it, I'm guessing, because we were watching the Leafs and Habs. Pasternak had a hat trick. That's the only thing I know from that game. Of course, I know Hall had an empty netter. It's the Bruins. Uh, we got to stop counting them out. we got to stop it. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that series on Wednesday, I guess. And the last series of the first round, Tampa Bay, they've edged Florida in six. Same with Minnesota, you can kind of, or comparable to Minnesota here. A great season for the Panthers. They run into the Stanley Cup champions that were just that much better and had a superstar that hadn't played in forever and was completely healthy for like two months, as you are. Though the big questions with Florida are in net. And that means Sergei Bobrovsky. And you know what that means, guys. <laughs> it's time for the buyout. And there's – no, that is not Bobrovsky. That is still Ryan Johansson. Bob buyout is what I've named this piece. The Bob piece. buyout. Uh, the Bob buyout. And there it oh is, goodness. ladies and gentlemen. It is 10 years. It is at least $5.8 million for the next four years. That's the – in years three and four, it's 6.8. That's, you know, it's 6.8 in years three through five. Then in the back half, it's $1.8 million. But that is at least for five years, more than half of his salary currently or his cap hit. That's it's- ridiculous. I don't know. I mean, I'm, looking, I'm trying to think of the Panthers lineup and they have to re-sign a bunch of guys in like a year or two. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure there's a pretty big name in by the name of Alexander Barkov in there too. Oh really? That's pretty ridiculous. I I actually like I knew it was gonna be bad, but I didn't think it was gonna be like this up until 2026, like six point eight million. Mm-hmm. Well, it's that bad. Welcome to the buyout corner. You love to see it. Though I mean like they are, I think it's pretty well been said in the media that they're going to do whatever they can. The buyout is obviously your probably last resort. Seattle is probably the first option because just by his cap hit alone, and Bobrovsky is in pretty good health, as we can see, and I doubt he's going to want to disappear, same as kind of Zach Parise at the moment. It has to be Seattle or buyout at this point, right? And I mean, you're probably going to give up your, like, Owen Tippett. Like, if you're trying to bribe Seattle, you're losing this first, probably next year's first, maybe Owen Tippett. I'm just thinking of some young guys. Like, like, man, and they've not been great at developing the past couple of years. Like, no. think of, like, Alexi Hippie and Yemi. Like, what's up with him? And, like, um, who's the guy they went to Chicago? Really cool. Uh, Henrik Borstrom. Henrik Borstrom. 
all of a sudden, such a good season is looking a little down for the Florida I mean, Panthers. This was like 4.8 million, but it was still pretty bad. That I remember they had to do that to save money. Was when they it ended up being okay, but they traded Lawson Kraus with Bolin to get rid of him um, to the Coyotes, and I remember that that time I thought it was gonna be a lot worse because Kraus was just drafted, and you know we were all still on our real junior hype about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if they have to do this again. I think it's gonna hurt them even more now. I also wonder, Alex, is if you go into next season. Is it the right thing to do to ride a tandem, if you can get rid of Bob, to ride the tandem of Spencer Knight and Chris Drieger? They're, we've seen in, in, in very small sample size, Spencer Knight's been good. We've seen that in the sort of tandem, Drieger has been good. But then all of a sudden, if you don't, and say whatever you want about Bobrovsky, he's had a lot of experience. He has Vesna trophies. Is it going to be easy for that young Florida tandem? I don't think it's gonna think it's gonna be easy, and I I don't want to say it's gonna go the exact same way, but look at what happened in Philadelphia. Like I, there's probably other circumstances surrounding that potentially, but there's still that possibility. And Spencer Knight is 20 years old. Now he's he, even younger than Carter Hart when he came onto the yeah. scene. Yeah, right. Like I think it's it's a dangerous move to throw Spencer Knight into the NHL. I think he'll be, he'll still be 20 by the start of next season. And I have a comparable. Okay. Let's hear it. So Spencer, Knight just played in the real juniors and now he's playing, right? It's exactly the same as Steve Mason. Oh, that's not where I thought you were going. Oh, okay. what are you going to say? I thought, I thought you were going to pull out some Andrew Raycroft stuff. Oh, no, no, no. Like like, I, <laughs> so, come on. What you're saying is now, next year, the Hart tro- say the, the Calder Trophy will be won by Spencer Knight, and then he'll be doomed in like the eternal, I need a starter, let me go get this guy who's like a fringe backup. <laughs> Remember that one year where like six teams all traded goalies and it was like a giant circle? Yeah. Pretty sure he was in there. Steve Mason, yes. Like I think Brian Elliott may have been in there. Bobrovsky, he went yeah. from Philadelphia to Columbus. It, it was later than that, but yeah. it was it was just this really weird. I think Talbot may have moved that year. It was really strange, really strange. Okay, uh, we said last week that we would cover this, so we are talking about Ron McLean today. Turns out he did not address anything on the broadcast, which was a little brave. So there was a clip going around where he's talking to Bieksa, and Bieksa is the most positive person on this room. And there's this picture in the background on because Bieksa, it's been a really good little bit with him. He has these pictures, like at Ryan Kessler's body issue or something. Like there's been some really funny stuff back there. So apparently there's this picture of Anthony Stewart, like shirtless, at like a rum party, whatever that is. Okay. And McLean makes this joke of like, if you're in like there, like if you're a guy with his tarp off, you're going to be positive for something. Now that sounds like a very inappropriate joke about like, I, I, don't, I don't know what we can say. I don't want voice said to be mad at us, but it sounds like a very homophobic remark. So Ron McLean then puts out this statement. Um, I'll screen share it. So if you're on the YouTube, you can, that is, that is, those are my show notes. That is not Ron McLean's statement. Oh no. 
Here it is, Ron McLean from his Twitter account. First and foremost, I regret and apologize for what happened last night. Early in the show, we had a fun moment featuring a photograph of our colleague Anthony Stewart enjoying a rum party. That photo, along with a few others, sat on the shelf of Kevin BX's set for the remainder of the night. And the second intermission, when Kevin equipped that, oh, sorry, quipped that he was the quote most popular person, well, popular positive person on our panel. Quote: I directed viewers to that photo using tarp off, i.e., shirtless, to specify the picture with the rum bottle. And quipped, "You'll be testing positive for something." I met the rum. I understand. Um, that when others are within earshot of a two-way conversation, the potential for misunderstanding exists. If you only heard that last line in isolation, I completely understand how that misunderstanding occurred. I am deeply sorry. The idea of language and intention of personal responsibility. I have seen those concepts used as a broad... Okay, the rest of it, he goes on about how he's reached out to people to see what he's done wrong. He talks about how he's a big supporter of LGBTQ and all that, which he is. Um, so first off, I can give Ron McLean the benefit of the doubt because like he's not like there is not a long history of saying super racist stuff on air like Don Cherry. Though and I it it's like a sobriety test positive, but I've never heard somebody refer to rum and like drinking it as pot like it sounded horrible. Yeah, I believe him. I want to give him the explanation, like the benefit of the doubt, because he explained it. He said he reached out to people. And, like, Ron McLean's a friendly grandpa of a dude. He's not Don Cherry. But it sounded so bad. Yeah, it didn't sound great. A lot of the arguments I heard were people were saying, oh, he meant pot. Like, then these, I, I don't agree with it, but there were a lot of, I guess, people defending Ron saying, oh, he meant positive in terms of the breathalyzer. Or something, but yeah. I'm like, you don't really say that. Like, that's not a phrase. No, it's no. Like nowadays, like we're in sport, like sports, right? You know, this is a a, a league that the whole Artemi, sorry, not Artemi Panarin, like the Kuznetsov stuff. Like when you think positive in sports, the first thing that my mind goes to is 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 a drug or some disease. Like, hey, COVID, that's a thing. I don't think of somebody as as being drunk as positive for something. You know what I mean? And when you talk about shirtless Ben and the way he said it it did not come across as him talking about booze it just did not at all and I'm even with the apology I'm very disappointed that he didn't say anything on the broadcast like obviously I think a lot of the people who were going after him were the Don Cherry supporters that think that he is the worst person going yeah but still, I don't know how he doesn't go on and say, you know what, guys, I, I messed up there. It's just, I don't get it. Yeah, it, it's a, that was, it was rough. The, the, so the social media was rough. And I mean, I, I agree with you on the fact that he probably could have addressed it on the, on the broadcast simply for the reason of, I, I think we have this misconception that, everyone who's on Twitter are the people who are watching the broadcast. And I don't think that's true. I think there's a large portion of people actually who don't have Twitter who watch the broadcast. So I, I think just for the sake of them to address it on air would have been, would have been a, a really good idea. I'm 
a lot. Like we always talk about receipts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is one of the things we we talk about in the fact that he did reach out to people, and I be- I did seek tweets confirming that. I um, obviously I don't think he would lie about that, especially nowadays. Uh, that was a positive for me, but yeah, just not a great situation overall. Mm-hmm. I I agree that you know a lot of a lot of fans, especially people who tend to be older, a lot of people that again like Twitter is kind of on. A, the bottom of the pole when it comes to social media I, I feel that not everyone's gonna see it everyone's just gonna think oh i guess they're not gonna talk about this i guess we're just gonna keep on going where things are as they were before that business as usual and i think that even if he took the time maybe to say something because there has been a lot of times before where they say i apologize that this thing happened or you know this thing that you initially heard here for example will be addressed now and this is the right correction with things i think that they had enough time to maybe give it a to maybe give it like it's you know it's due in a way that say i really meant this and this is what i meant because when it's just handed out in a a social media post like that it's just gonna get buried you know what i didn't even realize that sportsnet or ron mclean had posted anything until adam had sent it to me like i was just working like i did i don't i wasn't it wasn't usually school me where i scroll through twitter 24 7 it's like okay well i missed it and it got kind of got buried and i didn't realize it until adam had sent it to me mm-hmm. nice that he actually explained it um because listen i've seen much worse apologies on twitter Yes, uh, with yes. a lot less explanation and a lot more cockiness. Um, anyway, moving on to the second rounders, uh, looking at series above here, Tampa Bay and Carolina. Before we get to the series itself, I remember seeing this a couple of years ago. So Tampa Bay, apparently this is a Greg Roshinsky ESPN article. Tampa Bay Lightning loosened policies restricting fans in premium seating from wearing opponents' gear. The Tampa Bay Lightning will no longer enforce a policy that restricts fans from wearing gear supporting the other NHL teams in their premium seating arenas, the the team told ESPN on Friday. The policy, which began in 2015, had come under renewed scrutiny after a Florida Panthers fan recorded a viral video that shows two Emily Arena employees confronting his and his 11-year-old son. I cannot so believe, first of all, that, that this was a thing. So wait, was the video from this year or a few years ago? Um, I believe it was Panthers gear. I'll double check. But no, I'm no, but was it from this year, though? Uh, like the series that they just played? Um, I The article doesn't specify... Uh, whether it was this year, but okay. I'm gonna ass- I'm gonna say it's a, it's safe to assume that talked about Florida stuff. There's been a big hoopla because you know if if you notice when you watch a, a lightning game, there is normally an awful lot of blue there. But just yeah. how arrogant can you be? Like such a model organization uh, in so many different ways. What are you doing? Let's see if the guy. I'm gonna go see if I can find the video. If the guy's wearing a, a mask, that's how I know when that it was recorded. That is a very, very <laughs> that's good the, way. Of looking that's at the it. only way I'll figure this out. God, uh, I believe you can hear the ice cream truck in I my. Can. Uh, that, yes. My apologies for that. Cream? For once, it's not me with the with the audio no. outside. <laughs> 
an ice cream truck. That It'll is a be great jingle. Leaving soon. Yeah, I don't know. It just wait, wait, let's uh, let's all just let's all just listen for a second. That's awesome. I love that. That's great. Okay, I hope that gets picked up well for the podcast. So do I. Tampa, Carolina, though, with the game being 0-0, I say we still take predictions. I think the second-round matchup we all saw coming or hoping to have, and boy, this is going to be the test for Carolina. It's I'm still I'm going to take Tampa Bay in the series, but if you can't put down Nashville easily, I know how you're going to fare against Andre Vasilevsky and the Tampa Bay Lightning. But if Carolina can do it, watch out, man. I I'm also going to go with the Tampa Bay Lightning. I I just think. They are so they're so good. It's like kind of ridiculous, and you know the if you exactly what you said about Carolina there in terms of how they struggle struggled against Nashville and and look at the lot even last year how they kind of struggled against Boston and I know it's a it's a different team but and they actually have goaltending this time. I just think that Tampa is so much is so ahead of other teams in terms of skill and, and everything else that it's going to be a really tough series. I think Carolina is going to make it a really like, it's just going to be a really good series and probably going to go to like six games. Damn. Yeah. I kind of agree. I'm going to take Tampa for this, but I think there's going to be a few upset games for the hurricane, just the way they're built. I think that they're not they're they're getting to the lightning level if everything develops and they're smart with their money and they, you know, Alex Nelkovich becomes a world-class goalie and they could keep that defensive core intact while still making sure that all of their goal scorers are healthy, especially, you know, Tevil Teravainen. And if they can get there, I think that they'll make it interesting. But again, like I think I'm going to just go with Tampa simply because, you know, we, we've laughed at it before about the whole salary cap thing, but there's such an anomaly with the amount of talent that is on that team. And not only that, but just how it works together. Listen, for Carolina to truly be contenders now, they need a few humiliating second round exits, and this is the start of it. So uh, it's not your time yet, Carolina, but you will get there. Your social media is championship level, but um, not, not quite there. Not quite there. Uh and who's going to win the first game tonight? Tampa. Ta- Tampa. 5-4, but then they're going to adjust after. I say a one nothing Carolina win, and then Tampa come out next game and just just remind us who they are. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with 2 nothing Tampa Bay, one empty net goal. Okay, good. New York and Boston. Yes. Game one was, oh, my God, and then this happened, and then that happened. Um, these are the series of the two teams I hate betting against. <laughs> and um, I don't have a coin in front of me. I was going to flip it. Um, I guess it, it, the easy thing is to say Boston right now. So yeah. I'll just, I'll say the Islanders. Do you want to ask Siri? <laughs> so What's heads is Boston. Thing? Tails is the Islanders. Is that- um, or- sure. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Okay. The one time I want to use my touchpad to use Siri, and she's not working. <laughs> the one time. Are you serious? Oh, Siri, flip a coin. I didn't ask you a question. No. <laughs> Siri, flip a coin. 
Siri doesn't like you here. Uh, Apparently not. I'm going. I'm gonna go to the Islanders. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I you hate Siri now. You saw on your bad list. Um, I I think I'm gonna go with the the Bruins on this one. I just think I I they proved me wrong. I did. I, I proved me wrong against Boston. And I think the that Taylor Hall addition is really proving to work on like everywhere on the ice, it seems. And I think that momentum moving forward is going to be really good. And like that second, they finally have a proper second line mm-hmm. where in years past, it seems like they didn't, they had really good players, but it never meshed. Andre Kosh is out for the playoffs too, isn't yeah. he? Man, Man, that's that trade. such bad luck. Uh, Daniel, who do you have and why? I have the Bruins. I'm going to just take, for me, okay, and this is not a Leafs comparison with the Bruins, but like in this series itself, it's just the lesser of two evils for me, simply because of Patrice Bergeron. And, you know, I still have this this weird sentiment for Tukarask. I don't know why. But... um. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Bruins. Okay, good. I'll, I'll be the underdog here. That's the Islanders' identity, isn't it? That exactly. you going to count us out. I was, waiting, I was waiting for the reaction, by the way, when I said yeah. the Tugarask sentiment. But no, we don't rea- need to keep reacted. going to that well. Okay, We're better than okay. That. Okay, uh, Winnipeg. And, oh, wait, not yet. We're still waiting on that, aren't we? Oh, great. All right, and finally, the big one. The modern-day L.A. Chicago. The modern-day... Detroit, Colorado. I don't know why I went the early 2000s route there. (laughs) Vegas, Colorado, game one tonight. It's the big one. I'm going full. I'm going to be the same person I've gone for the past two years, and I'm saying Colorado are going all the way here. They're a more complete team. They very much dealt with St. Louis in the first round, unlike Vegas and Minnesota. I just like them, and they've gotten plenty of rest. Maybe a bit of a, a rusty start to the game. But and even if Vegas come out and win tonight, I, I'm still going full Colorado no matter what. In in six. Colorado in six. Yeah, e- even without Nazem Kadri, and I don't know how oh, long yeah. he'll be out for. I think six games because he missed two uh, in that series. Maybe. Four, like he's going to miss – plenty of games it in this series and i think despite that colorado i'd still say colorado is the better team of what i've seen lately yeah and i do think they're gonna take this series and and like like adam you said a few a month or two ago like this series especially is extremely important for colorado and saying we are the dominant team of the west mm-hmm. daniel yeah, I agree. I, what we talked about in 2014 um, was, you know, that was the true kind of test that, like, to see who is really going to win the cup. Because whoever's going to come out of the series is probably going to have the best chance at winning the cup. Because we, we, you talk about Chicago and LA and how brutal that series was. And what I look about it now is it's going to go to seven, but I have Colorado going. But I guess like the notes I have on this is it's going to go to seven because I think. Vegas had a scare with Minnesota, so they have met adversity. 
I think Colorado hasn't, so they're just going to have those initial maybe one or two games right now. But in the end, I think they take it, Colorado. You don't need adversity when you have the best player on the planet, Daniel. Um, you know, Anthony McKinnon is going to continue to build his legacy. Sid, down. McKinnon, down. The dominoes are all falling, and Nathan McKinnon is the one who flicked them to start. <laughs> you know, it hasn't been a fall of dominoes. It's been an avalanche of uh, dominoes. That sounds like the episode title. You, you ever seen that the movie V for Vendetta? Yeah. So, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's a good, it's a really good movie. And there's this famous scene when the main, like, protagonist, if you can call him that. Elrond, yes. Yeah. Flick, like, he, there's this hilarious domino scene. It's a pretty serious movie, but it's just, like, comedic to think of, like, he set up all these dominoes. And it, like, goes and falls into his logo. But at the end, there's just one domino that doesn't fall. And he just tilts his head. He has his mask on, right? And he just picks up the one domino. That's Colorado. That's Nathan McKinnon. All the greats are falling in front of him right now. And Mark Stone is next. <laughs> and Alex Petrangelo? Ajo, no. Petrangelo, no. Who are the other all-stars right now? Carey Price, we'll see what happens if he can get there. Austin Matthews, we'll see if he can get there. Yeah. Um any of the Jets guys, and they're nothing compared Pasternak, to Nate Dog. Pasternak, Bruce. Nah, no. no. Pasternak can win a Maurice Richard, but he can't win a Hart Trophy. Nate, like, again, Connor McDavid can win a scoring title, multiple, and MVP can't win a playoff round. And with nice. that, the episode is done. Thank you, The Voice said, as always, for being an amazing platform for the show. We're going to go because it's getting, you may hear, pans. Because this podcast, I feel bad because my mother is cooking all the dinner right now. So we got to go so I can make some mashed potatoes. Let's go. So mm, love that, this. and we're actually, we're, we're done. That's everything. <laughs> you, that, that's you that's to yeah, talk about. That. Check that's Twitter. Um, check out my YouTube channel, HFR Game 6. Daniel's stuff for the hockey writers. Um, Alex's blog. Our own social medias, the shows, especially the TikTok, the Twitter, and all that lovely, lovely stuff. The great Instagram stories. Yes, the great Instagram stories that all of you, none of you believed. None of you believed in Game 6. I'm going to take names and remember that. Same with all our our past guests at Montreal when you're all coming on and you're all going to (laughs) apologize. But at least when Will, don't worry about it. You're okay. You and Laura are fine. Wait, specify which Will. (laughs) Oh, that's a good ba- point. Crit- Baldwin, the one who said okay. Montreal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Christopolis sure. is playing all the sides right now. If you've been oh. looking, one day he's like, ah, oh, no, the Leo, the Habs are going to do. I believe in Caulfield. Christopolis, next time he comes on, we're going to have a chat because he's mm-hmm. he's playing all the sides right My, now. Mike keeps telling me he that uh, he keeps jinxing the Leafs in uh, their group chats. Like, come on, come on, help me, help us out here a little. All right. Awesome. That is everything, and we will see you Wednesday when we will have a winner of the Leafs and the Habs. And the draft lottery. And the yeah. draft lottery. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Isn't, what, what time is the draft it's lottery? It's at 7 o'clock. We won't have a winner by that time. I was about to say, yeah. When no. are we? We're not I, recording at seven o'clock. No, no, no. I don't think we're, so. we're live, live, a live episode. <laughs> we are not live streaming again. <laughs> not that again. was a complete disaster. <laughs> no, that that okay. wasn't great. Goodbye. <laughs>